settle your hearts. Don't wonder, are we going to start to worship? Are we going to... We're going to let Mornay share what the Lord's placed on his heart. So open your hearts. Your hearts open. Eh? Amen. Right, so... So the title is Better Together Finishing Strong. And... Uh, and, and the whole, I, the, the main idea of this morning is that in order to finish our race, we need the Holy Spirit. But we also need one another. And how does the Holy Spirit encourage us, and how do we encourage one another? And so just to kind of like kick that off, I want to just show you a little video of a story that I, I heard about three weeks ago. And this was the most amazing story. Um, so... Let's watch this little video. Um, can you guys see the screen? I know it's a little bit dull, but just... Kenyan runner Abel Muthai was leading the cross-country race at an event in Burlada, Navera in December 2012. He was only a few meters from the finish line, but got confused with the sign and stopped, thinking he had finished the race. A Spanish runner, Evan Fernandez, was right behind him and realizing what was going on, he started shouting to the Kenyan to keep running. Muthai did not know Spanish and did not understand. Realizing what was going on, Fernandez pushed Muthai to the victory. A reporter asked Ivan, why did you do this? Ivan replied, my dream is that one day we can have some sort of community life where we push ourselves and help each other to win. The reporter insisted and asked again, but you could have won. Kevin replied, I didn't deserve to win it. I did what I had to do. He was the rightful winner. He created a gap that I could not have closed if he had not made a mistake. As soon as I saw he was stopping, I knew I was not going to pass him. And what would be the merit of this victory? And what would be the honor of this medal? And what would my mother think of it? Moral, the values are transmitted from generation to generation. What values do we teach our children? And how much do you inspire others to earn it? Most of us take advantage of people's weaknesses instead of helping to strengthen them. Awesome story, eh? Yeah, no, that's a terrible story. <laughs> and who thinks that that was a great story? Thank you for waking up. <laughs> now the lights on. I just, I saw that, I, and that's exactly, the, now he was confused. Oak was behind him, like he could have won the race, and he pushed them across. And that is exactly what the Holy Spirit does for us. The Holy Spirit is the parakletos, the para, the one that's next to us, and the kletos, the one that calls out to us. And so the Holy Spirit is the one that comes alongside us and he encourages us to finish this race that we're running. And if we've come onto this race track by believing in Jesus Christ, and we're running this race, He is with us, and He's encouraging us to finish the race. And so why don't we look at the scripture in John 16, the 17 to 11. So if you've still got Bibles and you bring them to church, you can, uh, you can turn there. If you've got a phone, you can also flip there. Or, or. Where must I stand? Is this good? 
The sun comes from behind you, just makes you look better. <laughs> so if I shine, it's because of the sun, it's not because I'm holy. John 16, 7 to 11. But very, so this is Jesus speaking. He says, very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the paracletos, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So the first thing that we need to think about is, is like, this is now Jesus speaking to the disciples. And he says to them, it's good that I go away. Like, how could it, imagine you're one of the twelve, you've had Jesus with you, Son of God, in the flesh, seeing the miracles, seeing the demons being driven out, seeing people healed, and Jesus speaks to you, he says to you, it's good that I go away. The thought that would come up in my mind is, is how's that good? How is it good that you're leaving me? Alright, so now that's sunk in. And the interesting thing is, if you then go and read, I like to scratch in the Greek, not that I know Greek very well, but I still like scratching. And I find this interesting that the word good there isn't the normal word that's used for good. It's a different word. It's, and every time I try and say it, I forget it. So it's not agathos, it's para-something. But it actually means to together carry burdens. And so if Jesus was still here today, he would be one man with two hands, two legs, one mouth, and he could be at one place at one time. But when Jesus went away, what happened? The Holy Spirit came, right? Who agrees the Holy Spirit came when Jesus left? Great. Where is the Holy Spirit right now? Like when I ask questions, they're not rhetorical. <laughs> He's inside of us. And so what's, what's good about this? Is that you become a little Jesus. Because you've got the same spirit that was in Jesus is now in you. And so now we can do so much more good because Jesus was limited by time and space and physicality. And now when the Holy Spirit is inside of us, there's so much more of us that can be together and do the things that Jesus did for other people. We can do for other people and we can do for our brothers and sisters and the world. And so therefore it's good that Jesus went away because now the Holy Spirit is in us and we can do so much more good. Say with me, I can do good through the Holy Spirit. Yes, you're a bunch of great guys, eh? And girls. When he comes, he will prove or convict or reveal to the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. So I might, let me rather read there because it might be slightly different translations. And when he comes, he will convict, convince, because conviction is to be convinced by something. He will convince the world concerning sin, righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and, I, and you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And that's the three things that the Holy Spirit convinces us about, but, and how He motivates us. He convinces us about sin, He convinces us about righteousness, and He convinces us about judgment. And so those are the three things that are going to be speaking about. So some people will say that the Holy Spirit will only convince the unbelievers of those things. But that's not true. 
Because he convinces the unbelievers of sin because they trust in themselves. But he also convinces us of sin because sometimes we trust in ourselves. And so when I think of trust and I think of faith, I always think of that story of Peter. You know, Peter on the boat and then walking on the water with Jesus. You guys know that story? So, so the disciples are on the boat and they... How many of you have been in a boat? Boats are nice. How many of you have been on a boat when it's stormy? It's a little bit not so nice. Like I get really queasy on a boat. How many have been of you? Wow. How many of you have been on a boat when it's stormy in the night? Now it gets a little bit more scary. And so the disciples are on the boat in the middle. Jesus is not there because Jesus prayed. He was praying to the Father. So Jesus is not with them in the boat. It's stormy. It's dark. And so they're afraid. And then the Bible says this apparition comes walking on the water. Now just, just imagine this. You're on a boat. You're already afraid. It's stormy. And all of a sudden, there's a ghost. Like, I would just think, like, he's coming for me. And so now, I'm going from being afraid to being terrified. And so he, this apparition comes closer and he calls out to Peter and he says to him, or he calls, calls out to the disciples and says, come, come, get out the boat. And I'm sorry. At this point, I'm under the chair, behind all the other disciples. I'm not going to that guy because that's where I'm going to die. But Peter gets out the boat and he starts walking on the water. Right? And it's all going well. And then at some point, he starts sinking into the water. At what point does he start sinking? When he takes his eyes off Jesus and he starts focusing on the storm. Sometimes, when we take our eyes off Jesus, or not sometimes, all the time, when we take our eyes off Jesus in a spiritual sense, and we put our eyes on the storm, which is fearful, we start sinking in our faith. Now, we're not physically in a boat most of the time. But when we take our eyes on Jesus and we start looking at the world around us, we look at COVID, we look at COVID economics, we look at KwaZulu Natal and the riots, we look at maybe I'm fearful of getting COVID, we look at maybe my job security is not as good, we look at maybe I'm not breaking free from sin cycles in my life and we take our eyes off Jesus and we focus on the storm that's raging around us, then we start sinking in our faith. And so the first thing is, is we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. But remember, we're not, and so the Holy Spirit will convict us. He's the one that will convince us to keep our eyes on Jesus. But remember, we're not talking today about Individually, how do we do that? We're talking today about how do we collectively do that? How do we, as a, as a group of people, stir the faith within us so that we together can keep our eyes on Jesus? Because Jesus wants all of us to finish this race together. And we're there to do good. We're there to help one another, to carry one another's burdens. And so there might be many ways, but the one way that I think is so helpful is that when we share testimonies with one another. Like Shop. I, I so, so bad to pronounce your name. Charlotte. Like when Charlotte, she shared a testimony this morning. So I want to quickly share a testimony with you. 
about my life. So me, I used to be a pharmacist. I was in Durbanville Medical Clinic. The beginning of that year, I think 2005, God came to me and he said to me, Monet, are you going to go full-time in the middle of the year? That's June, July. I was a full-time means I'm going to go start working for the church. In other words, I was working for Medi Clinic, and now I'm going to be working for Josh Jen. And uh, around about August, Andrew came to me late um, and said to me, listen, we need, the church has been growing, we need another guy to come work for the church. Will you come work? I said, great, we'll come. And he said, you know what, we, um, we can't really pay you what you got, but we'll pay you some. That was interesting. And uh, so we, we came full time and it was, it was good. And uh, I remember the day we came, I think it was the Sunday that we came full time. Tani Aniki Brun, you know, who knows, who knows Darwin Liesl Brun? They've just gone to the congregation in Oatsworth. So his mum came to us, she prayed for us on the Sunday. And she said she saw this picture of this, this horse that you get in the, you normally see them in the United Kingdom. They're horses with those thick legs, and uh, they work horses. And so um, they normally have this bag around their head. It's called a nose bag. And they can just dip their head into this bag and eat out the bag whenever they need. Because obviously when they're working, they can't walk off into the field and go eat some grass. They've got to work. And so they can still eat while they work. And so she said she saw this picture for us, and God's saying to us that we will never need, that whenever we need to... You know, God will sort us out. We can just dip our head into the bag. And so that's great, but that's just words, you know. <laughs> it was encouraging a little bit, but... So forward a couple of years. And we've got a, we've got a friend who's a CA. And while she was doing her internship, you know, when you do your internship, you get paid, or your, what do you call it when you're a CA? Your articles, right? You get paid less than what a f the full one gets paid. And so this friend came to us and said, you know what, God had spoken to her, and when she went from being doing her articles to getting a full job, her salary doubled, and she felt God say to her that she must give the, the difference to us, to me and my wife now. I don't think we had children at that time, no. So we said, are you sure? She said, yes. We said, thank you. Here's our bank account. <laughs> <laughs> so she, she, you guys are cold, eh? Yeah. So, so we, and I think it was for a period of maybe three months or I can't remember the exact period. But at that stage, you know, we were all right. We, we were living with Gwyneth and Ernie. We had a house over our head. We had enough money for food and everything. We were comfortable. I had a wetsuit to surf, but we had everything we needed. <laughs> and so being a good steward, we were like, we took the money, but I saved it. And after, the, like, it was like to the month, whether it was three months or six months, I can't remember, but to the month that the money stopped, because she said it was going to be for a period of time, to the month that the money stopped, guess what happened? My Land Rover's gearbox broke. Now, for those of you that don't drive Land Rovers, are you surprised? For those that drive Land Rovers, you understand. And you know what? The amount of money that we got there was the well, almost the exact amount what we needed to fix the gearbox. And so God provided for us. How many of you feel encouraged by my story? 
You can raise your hands. Thank you. I see that hand. <laughs> and that's what testimony does for us. I mean, maybe some of you this morning, you're sitting with financial trouble. I just encourage you with my true story. You know when you watch a movie and you like the movie, you always wait till the end and you see like, based on true events, it makes the story better, right? Like, for me it does. <laughs> I don't know why. And I want to encourage us as God's people, we are running this race. And sometimes we, we, we take our eyes off Jesus because sometimes you're down and I'm up. And sometimes you're down and, and, and I'm up. But we can encourage each other in our faith to keep our eyes on Jesus by the true stories of what Jesus has done in our lives. And when we do that, we can encourage each and every one of us to f- get over this finishing line. And so I want to encourage you as a people, speak out the things that God does for you. It's not just for you, because you can stir, we can stir one another's faith by sharing the stories of what Jesus does for us. The breakthroughs, the, yeah, the victories, the deliverances, the encouragements. The, is that good? Yeah. The next point is about righteousness and about being right. So unbelief is about trust. And the Holy Spirit convicts us of unbelief when we don't trust. And you know, that's where it went wrong with Eve. Eve trusted the devil's voice and then, you know, it all went wrong. But righteousness is about being with the Father. See, because Jesus says, the Holy Spirit convicts us of righteousness because he goes to be with the Father and you see him, we see him no longer. You know, we can make righteousness about other things. We can make righteousness about theology. We can make righteousness about good works. We can make righteousness about how good I am or how strong I am or how much I work for God. How much I read my Bible or how much I come to church or how faithful I am. But righteousness is not about that. Righteousness is about being in relationship with the Father. And so it came through this morning is that the reason why God came is because He so loved you that He wanted you to come into a relationship with Him. And so if you have faith in Jesus and belief in the Father and belief in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will convict us about our relationship with the Father. And how do we know that we're righteous? Well, you're in a relationship with Him. You feel Him. You experience Him. You feel the peace and the patience and the kindness and the goodness. But now when we're Christians, do we still make mistakes? I do. When we make a mistake, how do you feel about that? Yeah, and, and what, what does that cause in you? Shame and guilt. And what does shame and guilt do to you? Now, I remember when I was a teenager, I was very naughty. And I used to have parties when my parents went away. Like for the weekend. 
the whole weekend. And we would do naughty things. Things that we knew we shouldn't do. And then that Sunday afternoon, before they came back, we would walk around and we'd pick up the stompies, and we'd pick up the bottle tops. And then they would come home, and then for the rest of that week, whenever the telephone rang, I would have this fear come over me. And I just wanted to hide, because just now it's the neighbor calling my dad, telling him what we did over the weekend. Because whatever we did, we didn't do it quietly in the corner. <laughs> and what did that do to me? Well, that week, I didn't want to be around my father. Because of what? Because I was fearful. What's the point here? The point is, is that we are going to make mistakes as Christians. And so even though we have a positional righteousness with God, we've been saved from our sin, we've been justified before Him, we are still going to make mistakes. And when we make those mistakes, what should we do? We should not run away from the Father. The Father's here. We shouldn't run away from the Father. We should run to the Father. We should not just run to the Father in repentance, but we should also run to one another in confession. Because James 5 verse 6 says, if we confess our sins one to another, we will be healed of them. And so, remember we're talking about the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit will convict us of sin. When He comes and He convinces us of that we're doing something wrong, just remember to not run away from the body, to run away from your home group, to run away from the church, to run away from the Father. But remember to run towards those things. Because it's in that place that we will find forgiveness and acceptance and healing. So what do we do for one another? It just means that the church isn't holy, holy like this. The church is holy, but we accept sinners. We need to have an attitude where... We have to have grace for one another and mercy for one another like God has for each other. Alright. Felt like that one didn't land so well. It's true, but is it true for you? So what do you do when you feel like you feel the Holy Spirit convincing you of, of wrongsciousness? You, you lost your righteousness and are you wrongsious? Maybe you've gone somewhere where you shouldn't. Maybe you've done something you shouldn't have done. Maybe you've watched something you shouldn't have watched. And the problem is not so much when it happens once or twice, or two, but when it becomes a habitual thing, then we feel wrongous. And it's at that point where we so need one another. You don't become Christ. You don't become God. You know, that's maybe just the balancing point to this, is, is that... We can help one another, and I think this is a community where there is openness and there is confession, because I was in their house this week and I was in some leaders' meetings. It's a very open church. But just remember this. We don't, you know, confession will bring relief, but relief isn't healing. Only Jesus 
can bring healing. So when we're pointing people, we're pointing them towards Him, and we're leading them in prayer, and then we're trusting that the Holy Spirit will bring the power that will bring the change. You see, there's a slight difference here. So even though we can confess and we can repent to one another and we can repent to God, we can't help each other. We are only pointing towards Jesus. And so, faith, sinking, you won't, you've got to find your faith in Jesus. If you take your faith in Jesus, you put your trust in yourself, you put your trust in your money, or you put your trust in even your Christian brothers and sisters, you take your eyes off Jesus. And so, what we have to watch out for is that we don't develop a counseling culture. We develop a culture of power. And the difference there is, is that, yes, come and come, come, tell me. But now let's go to him. Let's pray. Let's not talk about it. Oh, tell me how bad it was. Tell me how long you've been struggling with this. No, that's all right. But the end of that is, is let's go to Jesus and let's, let's apply the blood of Jesus into the situation. Let's pray. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to come and break off sin and unrighteousness. Let's ask the Holy Spirit, Spirit to come and mark our heart because the angel of death must pass over. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to come and let the blood of Jesus remove the burden and the guilt and the shame of sin. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to come so that the blood of Jesus can be over us and we can come back into fellowship and we can come out of our, our isolation and back into the body so that I can feel and perceive and understand and discern the peace and the patience and the kindness and the righteousness and the presence of the Holy Spirit on my life. Because we can talk about it and we can get relief, but we do not get release. We do not get victory. It's a combination. You need both. You need faith and you need righteousness. Does it make sense? So I've never, ever, I've preached this before, but I've never, ever gone there. I think that's a word for you guys. No. Yes. Hey? They're shocked. I'm shocked. Would I repeat it? I can't, I'm sorry. We're going to have to listen to the tape. And I just think it's, it's a slight difference. It's a small thing. You know, we are there to help one another, but we're not Christ. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Love you? Thank you. My wife says it's good. How's it outside there? Is it cold? You guys are right. Okay, I'll agree. And the last point is that the Holy Spirit convinces us of judgment. Now, do you know that there's more than one judgment? There's judgments. Who knows that there's more than one judgment? So, there's two judgments. So, Revelation speaks about the white throne judgment. And if your name is found in the Lamb's Book of Life, then you won't go to that judgment. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> because at that judgment, the devil and his demons get judged and they get thrown into the lake of fire 
And those people in this world that did not accept Jesus and his sacrifice and rejected Jesus and his sacrifice and his blood on the cross and his suffering, they go with the devil and his angels too. The lake of fire where they will be tormented for ever. That's a long time. But for us as Christians, do we face a judgment? Yes, we do. We face the Bema throne judgment. So I just want to say, you know, Paul says to be absent from the body, from the body. to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So if you die and you see a white throne, run. <laughs> At least try and get away. But for us as Christians, we will die. For us that have put our faith in Jesus, we will die and we will enter into heaven and Jesus will be there waiting for us. And we will face a judgment for rewards or loss of rewards. For the things that we've done in this life. That's really important. It's, it's really, really important. Why is it really, really important? Because even though faith in Christ gets us away from eternal condemnation. If we not, if we don't talk about this, and if I'm not aware of this, then I can grow weary of doing good. You know, Galatians says, do not grow weary of doing good, especially to the household of faith. Now, I've been a Christian since 1997. I backslid for all, no, 1991. And I backslid a few years. So, like, well, how long is that? That's almost 30 years. And if you've been in church for a while, and, you know, her testimony this morning, I can't, I'm sorry, Charlie. <laughs> she, she talks a little bit about that. You can sometimes get so caught up within the things of the Lord and the doings of His house. And, and you're doing all those things with a good heart, especially when you start. But then as time goes on, you kind of like forget the reason why you're doing it. Why are we doing it? Why are we sharing words of knowledge and words of wisdom and encouragement? Why are we going to community? Why are we getting people saved? Why do we come to church? Why do we encourage one another? Why do we make meals? Why do we gather together? Why do we pray? Why do we, why do, we do these things? Well, we're doing it for a reward. And I want to this morning remind you of that reward because the Holy Spirit reminds us of that reward. And we're doing it for, for Him. We're doing it for Jesus. And so as we die one day, we'll come through, we'll break out of this temporal body and we'll come into His presence. I want you to watch this little clip now. It's a small on the screen. It's when Tatjana Schoenmaker, she won the, the gold medal for the swimming. And then she, she, she beats, the right was beat, eh? She breaks the world record. And it's taken from the perspective of the South African team. Let's just watch this quickly.
It's all right. This is normal. It's okay. Don't stress out. It's buffering. <laughs> It's wrong, just this in the computer. This, must, this is the worst time for the AV guy. You know how much pressure's on him at the moment. <laughs> just want to say you're doing well. Okay, I can smile for about 10 more seconds and then. saw that on TV, it's like there's that moment where she touches the wall, she knows that she's won gold, and then when she looks up, like in her eyes, you can, like when she beats the world record, she like, you can see that like realization. You know, the Bible in Hebrew says that there's a great cloud of witnesses that's cheering us on. And we're part of that crowd. You know, some of that crowd is still living, and some of that crowd is already up there. What I want to hear, what I'm living for, what I'm working for. So the Bible says that one day when I leave this body, when I die, I will come into God's presence. And I want to hear the words, come in my good and my faithful servant. That's why I'm working. I'm not working for your approval. I'm not working for many other things. I'm working because Jesus came and shed his blood. Brought me into a relationship with him. Put me in this race. And there's a great cloud of witnesses that's cheering me and you on in our race to do the things that God has called us to do so that we will get a crown one day, just like she did. I was going to ask if we maybe just close our eyes as we... I just want to close off this, this morning. With. Can I... Can I pray for us? Remember the Holy Spirit convinces us of... of faith trust. He convinces us of righteousness and he convinces us of rewards. And maybe you felt discouraged. Maybe you felt low in your faith. And you've taken your eyes off Jesus and you've put your eyes on yourself or on your community of faith or on your money or 
on, on things that you can put your trust in. And you've slowly but surely you've felt your faith sink. Or maybe you've been caught in cycles of sin. And you've isolated yourself from the relationship with the Father, but also from His church. And from the body of believers, because sin has driven you away. God Holy Spirit's convicted you, but you've responded wrongly towards sin. Or maybe you've fallen into the trap of working for His church and forgetting why you're working. That you actually, and so you've grown weary of doing good. And I, I want to pray for us this morning. And so if you fall into any one of those categories, I want to ask that you just stand with me that we can pray for you this morning. So if that's you, just, just stand in your chair. We want to pray and I'm going to trust that the Spirit comes because He's the one that convinces us. He's the one that's got the power. He's the one that's got the strength. He's the one that moves us forward. He's the one that raised Jesus from the dead. Thanks, I just wanted all the worship team to come out. So just before we start worshiping, I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to worship and we're going to trust that the Holy Spirit comes and touches you this morning and brings power into that area when you feel like you need strength. But maybe you've come into this place this morning and you've never given your heart to Jesus. You're not in the race. You're still on the sideline. And you see the Holy Spirit will convict you differently to a Christian. He will convince you that you haven't trusted in God at all. You might... Like me, like I grew up, I grew up in the church, and I know I knew all about God. I knew all the Bible stories, but I never knew God Himself. And so the Holy Spirit, there was a moment in my life where the Holy Spirit convinced me of my unbelief, that I was trusting in other things. And as I'm talking right now, He's convincing you of that. You see, this is a real thing. You're feeling it in your heart. And that, that feeling that you're feeling right now, along with it, the Holy Spirit makes saving faith available to you. That feeling will fade. That convincingness, convincedness will fade. But the Holy Spirit is making something real to you right now. And the Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. You see, it's happening in your heart. But faith wants to make the invisible visible. And so I'm going to create an opportunity for you to make what's invisibly happening in your heart to make it visible. And that will be your first act of faith. And then as a Christian, you've got many other acts of faith as you start walking with Holy Spirit and He convinces you of other things in your life. And so if that's you this morning, you've come into this place and you're feeling the Holy Spirit convincing you right now that you're not running the race, that you're still on the side and you need to accept Jesus' sacrifice this morning. You need to accept His blood. You need to accept His forgiveness of sin and come into the race. I want to ask that you would raise your hand so that you can come into His kingdom. Is there anyone that wants to give their heart to Jesus this morning and respond to the Holy Spirit? Thank you. There's one person that's responded. Anyone else? Today is your day of, the day of your salvation. 
And I don't care if you've been in church for 40 years. That's not the point. The point is, is that there's something happening in your heart and that's the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Right. Can I ask that we all just pray with that lady that just responded? Would you guys pray with me? Father God, all of us, Father God, this morning, I come to you and I acknowledge the conviction of the Holy Spirit in my heart. I ask that you would forgive me the things that I've done wrong and that you would bring me into a relationship with you through the blood of Jesus and with the Holy Spirit. Today I accept your forgiveness and I want to, I want to walk with you. Give me your Holy Spirit. Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, for the rest of us, like, let's pray. Let's reach our hands. What song do you guys have?